How's everyone doing? Everyone doing great? I'm actually going to go get that page. I lied. I might need that. So thanks for the intro, MCs. Uh, like they said, my name is Eric Foltz. I graduated this past May, studied cell biology here. Uh, I was involved with the Stu West Men's Ministry. Uh, yep. And now I work here as an intern with Greek Crew. So I work with fraternity guys and sorority girls. Love what I do. Love what I do. But uh, so last week, Julie started off our talk series on living missionally in light of eternity by defining what missional living and eternal perspective are and by telling us why Jesus is worth pursuing and sacrificing everything for. And she challenged us not to live for that little dot, which represents the here and now, but to live for the line, which represents eternity. And so tonight, I'm going to continue us on in that talk series by talking about earthly and heavenly treasures. So before we get into the text we're reading, I, uh, I want to define what a treasure is. And so I don't know about you guys, but when I think of a person who epitomizes somebody who has a treasure, I think of Gollum from Lord of the Rings. So I don't know if anybody else does. But, so we're going to start off our time by watching a clip of Gollum, uh, and it'll... Oh, sorry, I was hearing whispers. I thought I said something wrong. Um, so he's going to define for us what it looks like to have a treasure. And if you don't know who Gollum is, if you're not acquainted with Lord of the Rings, he's that little guy who looks like he needs a protein bar, but I think you'll catch on pretty quickly. back on. Okay, so you guys probably weren't expecting uh, tonight's crew talk to start with a video of dismemberment, but um, that's okay. So hopefully it wasn't too disturbing for you. I mean, everybody knows that scene is a total nail biter, but uh, okay, I'm glad somebody got the pun. There we go. There we go. So that, that's basically the main point of my talk, is to tell you that if you pursue earthly treasures, 
you're gonna lose your hair, you're gonna start munching on people's fingers, and you're gonna fall in a lava pit and die. So that's really all I've got. It's been great seeing you guys. Um, I make dumb jokes, but that's okay. Um, <laughs> thanks, Anna. That's really encouraging. I like the affirmation. Um, so jokes and strangeness aside, Gollum really does epitomize a person who has a treasure, somebody who, who treasures something dearly. Think about how he looked at that ring. Think of how far, how far he was willing to go to have it. So this is like a one and a half minute video clip, but this is the end of three amazing movies. Um, so this is like the climax. Three movies long, he's pursuing this ring. And the ring was the focus of his time, his money, or not his money, his thoughts, <laughs> and his energy. I don't think Gollum has money. Um, but his love for the ring was the filter through which he saw everything else. Do I need to back up or something? I hear a little buzz. Nope. Yep, here we go. So a treasure, then, is something that we value greatly, something we delight in, something we spend ourselves in pursuit of, and as we'll see from our text tonight, it's the object of our heart's desires. So if you guys want to join me, we're going to open our Bibles to Matthew 6, verses 19 through 21. And it should be on the screen behind me as well. But this is Jesus speaking. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Will you guys pray with me? Father, we ask that you would be glorified tonight. Uh, we ask that your, your spirit would speak as we look at this text, that he would show us the truth of how worthy you are of being pursued, how worthy it is to pursue the things related to your kingdom. And so we ask that you would increase our knowledge of you and our love for you tonight. Be glorified. We pray this in your name. Amen. So <clears throat> we've already defined what a treasure is. It's something of great worth or value. But I think, I think it's helpful to note that a treasure doesn't necessarily have to just be uh, of a financial nature. It doesn't have to be tangible. Uh, I'm sure you guys are like, well, if treasures are only of financial value, I have, must have all mine in heaven because I don't have any here. Um, but that's not the case. Uh, for everyone here, your treasures are simply the things that you desire and seek in attempts to find joy and satisfaction. So in light of that, I want to get a little bit more clarity. Like, what are the differences between heavenly and earthly treasures? What differentiates them? So I think it's helpful for us to see different characteristics of each in order for us to see why earthly treasures aren't worth pursuing and why heavenly treasures are worth pursuing with all of our resources. So uh, we're going to go ahead. They should be, yeah, they'll be up there. Uh, but the first one. If we look at verses 19 and 20, we see our first set of characteristics. Earthly treasures are temporary, and heavenly treasures are imperishable. So earthly treasures are destroyed by rust, by moths, and they're stolen by thieves. The thieves who break in and steal even our most guarded possessions. And, and it's funny how Jesus uses this destructive language to refer to earthly treasures. And the reason he does that is because they don't last. 
Every one of our earthly treasures will fade, they'll deteriorate, or they'll be taken from us. And even if they remain with us for our whole lives, when we die, they're just going to float off into the abyss of eternal insignificance. But on the other hand, heavenly treasures, they're not destroyed by moths, they're not destroyed by rust, thieves can't steal them, and do you know why? It's because God himself is preserving and protecting them in heaven. If we store up earthly treasures, we will lose them. But if you store up heavenly treasures, God keeps them. And ultimately, he distributes them. Which brings us to the second set of characteristics. And we can find that by separating earthly and heavenly treasures based on their giver. Um, And we can actually observe this by looking at verses 1 through 4 of chapter 6 of Matthew. So if you still have your Bibles open, Go ahead and go there, but it should be behind me. Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. So I don't think this text is saying, like, we have to put something in the offering plate with one hand, like keep the left hand at the side while you, like, put the right hand out. I don't think that's what Jesus is saying. I think what he's saying is that those who's giving is done in order to be recognized, they're not going to receive a heavenly treasure. Because that's not what their hearts are set on. It's not set on the kingdom of God. It's set on the praise of men, which is an earthly treasure. And so from that, we see that an earthly, earthly treasures are given by the world. But those whose hearts are set on God and who desire to give in order to honor him and to live in the way that he calls us to will be rewarded by God, as uh, verse 4 says, and your father who sees in secret will reward you. So heavenly treasures are given by God, whereas earthly treasures are given by the world. And so now our third set of characteristics stems from this last one. So if heavenly treasures come from God, if earthly treasures come from the world, we can say something about their abilities to satisfy. This world is fleeting and it's passing away. And so, because in comparison to God, it's so much lesser than him, earthly treasures represent the world by holding these fleeting and significant capacities to satisfy. And then in contrast, since God's infinitely greater than the world, and since his right hand holds pleasures forevermore, heavenly treasures reflect him in their ability to provide deep and lasting and pure satisfaction. It's, it's like com- comparing the world to God is like comparing the created to the creator. That's exactly what it is. The finite to the infinite, the temporary, to the eternal. Or in earthly terms, it's like comparing the Walmart brand cookie to the real Oreo. Like I'm not trying to diss Walmart, but everybody knows that off-brand Oreos suck. Um, It's just like, it's a no-brainer, right? There's no contest. No offense to Walmart if anybody's family's employed or something. I don't mean that. So our last set of characteristics in is found by asking, which world 
do these treasures pertain to? So earthly treasures are ultimately focused on this world and our earthly lives. Like in the passage we just read, where Jesus is, is saying, don't give to the needy so that you're seen by men. Those men are giving to the needy so that their reputations are built up. They're trying to advance and enhance their earthly lives, their status. And the, and the same is true in my own life. In those moments when, when I say something to be seen as, as cool or funny or intelligent, when that's what I want, I'm just trying to increase my earthly life. I'm trying to advance the here and the now. That's all I'm living for, the dot. And so earthly treasures are focused on now, and they yield the reward only now. But in contrast, guys, heavenly treasures, the ones that Jesus urges us to store up, are focused on eternity, and they're oriented around God's kingdom. And so heavenly treasures are actually things that are sought after because an individual is so overjoyed at the fact that God sought after him to make him his treasure that he wants to do the things that are pleasing to him the things that are glorifying to him, and the things that help others see his goodness. So heavenly treasures are oriented around God's kingdom, and they're gained in heaven. So hopefully categorizing that way is really helpful for you guys. I don't know if you guys are big on lists. I am. I don't know. So earthly treasures, they perish and fade. They're temporary. They're given by the world. They can't satisfy, and they pertain only to this life. When you die, they're gone. Heavenly treasures they're imperishable, they're given by God so you know they're good, they have deep capacities to satisfy, and they pertain to eternity. That's why it's stupid to invest our lives in earthly treasures instead of heavenly treasures. It's like choosing to eat a candy bar today, and not even a good candy bar, like something sucky, like a Three Musketeers. Like nobody likes Three Musketeers. I'm just bashing on companies today. That's not what, I'm not going to put this online, I'll get sued or something. But, but it's like choosing to eat a candy bar today instead of inheriting like Willy Wonka's chocolate factory next week. That's what it looks like to invest in the now, in the earthly treasures instead of heavenly treasures. So now you guys might be wondering, well, like, what does that look like? What does it look like to pursue earthly and heavenly treasures? So <clears throat> I'm actually going to use some of my own life story to show what pursuing earthly treasures looks like. So I didn't grow up in a Christian home. I didn't even become a Christian until my freshman year of college. Um, and my home life throughout middle school and high school was, was really broken. Like my family, we didn't have a lot of money. Um, there were just a lot of feelings of being unwanted in my own heart. And so throughout that time, I grew super bitter. And so I decided, it's like I resolved to make every effort I could to change my future. It wasn't going to be like my home life. And so when I came here, I majored in cell biology and I, I uh, enrolled in the pre-med program because I didn't want to be known as that kid with a broken home life anymore. And so what I tried to do was to lay up the treasure of people's respect and recognition for my hard work. And I didn't want to worry about money anymore. So I thought, well, if, if I strove for excellence and I, and I became a doctor or something, then it's like I wouldn't, I'd earn enough, I'd never have to worry about it again. And I didn't, I didn't want to feel like a second-class person anymore. I didn't want to feel broken. And so I thought that if I could just get friends to think that I'm cool and funny, if I could just get a bunch of friends, or if I could get girls to like me, then I would have worth and value. So those are, those are the things that I pursued before I became a Christian. And if I'm being transparent, 
Even as a Christian, I've struggled with those things. The earthly treasures I wanted were, were recognition, financial security, and love from others. And so, and so even last year, as the MC of this weekly meeting, there were so many times that I wanted to be liked by you more than I, I felt like I wanted to serve the Lord through my influence. And there were a, lo- a lot of times where I wanted to be seen as mature and godly more than I actually wanted to be those things. So if I'm being honest, those are the things that I've stored up, the earthly treasures that I sought after. And so maybe you guys are inclined to pursue the same things. Maybe the earthly treasures that you're tempted towards are, are money or possessions or comforts or entertainment or relationships or intimacy or sex or approval and acceptance. Or, and maybe this one comes as a shock to you guys, like good deeds for the wrong reason. It's an earthly treasure to give to the needy for selfish reasons. So even your good deeds and acts can be earthly treasures if you just want to feel good. So you're probably noticing, like, not, not all these things are bad. Uh, not all these things are inherently bad. Like, I might be hyper-observant, but I notice all of you guys are wearing clothes today. It's like, it's, it's a good thing to own clothes. It's okay to have them. Like, money's not a bad thing inherently. But what happens is, is we take good things and we make them earthly treasures by prizing them too much, by wanting them too much. Like, Gollum simply having the ring didn't make it his treasure, but what did was when he took it off his little finger and he just beheld it. And it was the only thing he saw. And he worshipped it and he desired it above everything else. That's what makes good things bad. And so, earthly possessions aren't necessarily earthly treasures, but they can be. And when our treasures are earthly things, they're futile pursuits because they won't last and ultimately they don't satisfy. And the truth is that you and I, guys, are prone to seek earthly treasures, but what we need to pursue are heavenly treasures. So now you might be wondering, like, what does it look like for you to pursue heavenly treasures? And I thought of a few Ball State students uh, that have pursued heavenly treasures, and a couple examples come to mind. Uh, Mitch Green is a guy I meet with. He chose not to rejoin certain clubs that he was involved in last year. He was involved in a ton of clubs, and he was trying to build up his resume and his status. And he chose not to do that so that, instead, he could invest in God's work instead. And I think of the ladies of uh, Beacon 202, Beacon Hill Apartment 202, who get up at 7.30 every morning, and I do mean a.m., to pray and to seek the Lord and to ask him to change this, this campus. And then I think also of Stacy Myers, another Greek girl who's in our ministry, who's desiring to give up a year of working in her major after she graduates so that she could help Greeks know Jesus. And so those are a few examples of how Ball State students have pursued heavenly treasures. And no, I think there's this misconception that's like, okay, if I'm a good Christian, that means I have to like join crew staff after I graduate. That's not the case. I would recommend it. I think it's great. But that's not the case. You don't necessarily have to join crew staff or pastor a church or something. So for you, maybe it looks like committing to go to Bible study every week and church every week instead of playing video games or sleeping in. Or maybe it looks like investing your money in God's work instead of in Starbucks or your Netflix subscription. That doesn't come free. Or maybe it also looks like 
denying comfort today so that you can share your faith with someone, taking a step of boldness to share your faith, or maybe go on a summer mission trip to sacrifice that. Maybe that's what it looks like. So those are a few examples. It's not comprehensive, obviously, but I hope that's helpful. But I don't know if there's an elephant in the room or not, but I'm just going to address something, and that's this, that heavenly treasures can only be acquired by Christians. Someone who hasn't experienced the freedom that comes from knowing Jesus has washed away their sins with his blood is not free to serve him in love because everything they do is either a desire to try and earn his favor or to make themselves feel good. You know, they might do something that looks like it's done in light of the cross, but at the heart of it, it's just done to build up their status before God. And so heavenly treasures are only heavenly treasures so long as we seek them out of love for God and not selfish pride. And so, I'm going to say it this way too, and it might be really sobering to hear, but I think it's helpful. Non-Christians can't store up heavenly treasures because heaven is not a place that non-Christians are going to. There will never be a non-Christian in heaven. So what now? What I'd like to propose is that everyone here thinks about where their treasures lie. What thing or things do you prize above all? Where do you spend your time and your money and your thoughts and your energy? And, and don't compare yourself to your friends. I know we have a tendency to do that. But it doesn't matter if you treasure something more or less than someone else. The question is, what do you treasure? That's the question for you. Is it serving the Lord out of love for him and joy for what he's done? Or are you just trying to build up your life on this earth? Where is your treasure? And be honest with yourself because nothing's hidden from the Lord. And we need to know where our treasures are because Jesus says in verse 21, I believe it's back up there, maybe not. I don't know if there's been anything behind me, I'm just talking, but whatever. We need to know where our treasures are because Jesus says in verse 21, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Where you store up your treasures indicates where your heart lies. If the treasures you are storing up are all on earth, your heart is on earth. And if the treasures you are storing up in heaven are in heaven, then your heart is in heaven, and it's knit together with Christ. But friends, we, we can only have one true treasure. Um, if we look at Matthew 6, 24, we see this. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God in money. We cannot. Our truest and greatest treasure, the thing that we love most, the thing that consumes our time, our thoughts, our money, our passion, is either the true God or it's something else of this world. And so I'm asking you guys, this isn't a shaming question, it's just, it's helpful, it's necessary to think, where's your treasure? And, and I know 
that there are going to be people out there tonight who are hearing me say these things and they're like, yeah, yeah, man, I get it. I've heard it before. Like, got a few too many earthly treasures. I'll just, I'll store up a couple more heavenly treasures. I'll, like, I'll fix it. I'll do better. And so if those are your thoughts tonight, I need you to listen to me right now. I need you to look at me. You can't fix it. You can't, you can't just stop storing up earthly treasures whenever you want and then just start pursuing heavenly treasures. Because if your heart's set on the world, you're going to store up things of this world. You might be able to convince yourself for a while um, that you've got a little good thing going on, but at the end of it, it's like you're, gonna, you're just going to gravitate back towards that which you love. And so maybe what I've said tonight makes you feel like a bad person. You're like, okay, like, I'll just, I don't know, I'll pray before meals, give a little bit more money, try and read the Bible, whatever. Jesus isn't after behavior modification. The point of me saying this tonight isn't so you walk away thinking, okay, like, I gotta just try harder. Sorry. The people who just try to be a good boy or a good girl are whitewashed tombs. They look good on the outside, they're white and sparkly and clean, but they're dead on the inside. So you might be able to fake it for a while, but even if they look like heavenly treasures, if you're doing them for yourself, they're earthly treasures. And so the solution here is not simply to try more and do better. It's that you need a new greatest treasure. And if you guys are willing, I'm assuming you are because you haven't gotten up and left yet, um, I'd like to tell you about my God, who's my greatest treasure. So my God is the God who created heaven and earth, and he created each and every one of us here. And he created us so that we'd have this relationship with him. And so that we can know him as our creator and our closest friend. And my God is also the God who each one of us betrayed when we chose to treasure his created world over him. And my God is the God who each person here is naturally separated from because of his sin. Even though there's nothing else that can satisfy or give us life other than to know him. But friends, my God is a God who didn't abandon us even though he should have. My God is a God who made a way for us to know him again, even though we don't deserve to. And he did it by coming in the perfect form of Jesus Christ and living the perfect life that we couldn't so that he could lay it down and die the death we deserved in our place. And now my God is the God who beckons each and every one of us to turn to him and trust in his death in our place. And he promises that everyone who calls on his name will be saved. He promises that everyone who trusts in him, who turns away from him, will have their sins washed away. They'll receive new life. They'll be adopted and cherished as sons and daughters. They'll find true satisfaction in knowing his love. And they'll live on forever in eternity in his presence. So that's my God. He's my greatest treasure, and he can be yours as well. And so, if coming into this room tonight, if your treasures have been stored up on earth, if your God's been this world, if you turn away from those things and you turn to Jesus, trusting that he's died in your place to save you, then you can be rescued from storing up treasures on this earth because you'll finally know him as your God, and you'll finally be able to pursue the treasures of heaven because you will have access to heaven. That's the promise. 
And hear this, it's only the grace of God in saving us that enables us to seek heavenly treasures. There's no other way to. And I know that you guys want to be satisfied. (laughs) I know that you have longings in your hearts that you want to be filled. And I know that because I do. And I'm just like you. I'm the same way. But, But let me be blunt in saying this. If you're trying to find your soul's satisfaction through the things of this world, you will never, ever be satisfied. Never. C.S. Lewis has a quote that goes like this. If I find in myself desires which nothing in this world can satisfy, the only logical explanation is that I was made for another world. And you were. And so was I. Why do you labor for that which does not satisfy? If you make Jesus your greatest treasure, you will know those pleasures forevermore that his right hand holds. You will be both saved and you'll be satisfied. And you'll be free to live for him and to store up heavenly treasures instead of the fading things of this world. So um, if you're not yet convinced that spending your life in pursuit of this world is comparatively worthless, Let me share with you a John Piper quote. Cool. He says, I will tell you what a tragedy is. I will show you how to waste your life. Consider this story from February 1998, Reader's Digest. A couple took early retirement from their jobs in the Northeast five years ago when he was 59 and she was 51. Now they live in Punta Gorda, Florida, where they cruise on their 30-foot trawler, play softball, and collect shells. Picture them before Christ at the great day of judgment. Look, look, Lord, see my shells. That is a tragedy. So I'm I'm assuming that there are Christians here and non-Christians here. And I want to address both of you guys. So first, the Christians, maybe you're pursuing heavenly treasures truly because of your delight and joy in God. And you might be in a place where you're able to comprehend the breadth and length and height and depth of Jesus' love for you. And if that's true, (laughs) I'm so happy for you. And I implore you to ask Jesus, pray, ask him to continue to give you the grace to delight in him supremely and to obey his words to store up heavenly treasures. And I, I pray that his Holy Spirit would fill you and enable you to seek those things. Or maybe you truly know Christ and you're in this season where you've lost your first love, right? You've wandered away. You've gone back to pursuing the things of this world. I just want to say, you might have wandered, but Jesus is the good shepherd who, having 99 of his 100 sheep, goes back and gets that one sheep that has wandered, and he brings him in. So even if you've wandered, he hasn't stopped pursuing you in love. And so you can turn back to him, and you can delight in him, and you can forsake the things of this world because This world doesn't hold a a candle to the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus. And now the non-Christians. So those who did not truly know the Lord before they came here tonight. First, I'm so glad you're here. I just want to say that. I'm so glad you're here tonight. And so maybe this is your first time hearing the truth of of what Jesus has done for you in the gospel. and, And now the cogs are turning and you're thinking, I want a relationship with Jesus. Or maybe you've been to crew or a youth group or a church service like a a thousand times and you've heard this before but 
Maybe you've never really believed and you've just gone undercover as that person who looks like a Christian but isn't. Whether this is your first or your thousandth time hearing this message, it doesn't matter. The truth is you can know Christ tonight by trusting in his death in your place and by clinging to him as your only hope for salvation from sin. And I know that there are also non-believers here who are hearing my message, like they respect what I'm saying, I guess, but they're just thinking it's not for me. Maybe they're not convinced. Maybe they think what I, maybe they just don't like me, whatever. I'm just kidding. But I just want to leave you with these questions. The things that you're seeking, the things you're storing up, will they last? Do they satisfy? Will they give you life? Consider those things seriously. Why do you labor for that which does not satisfy? And so, I'm going to pray for you guys, but before the band comes up, or maybe while they're up, I don't know what they want to do, um, I just want you guys to take a minute to reflect. I don't have any questions or anything. Um, just go to the Lord in prayer, or if you're not a Christian and you're not that place, think about it. Look at your treasures. Are they earthly, or are they heavenly? Jesus says wherever our treasures are, that's where our heart is. But wherever you were when you came here tonight, you can all leave knowing Jesus. It doesn't matter how you came here. It doesn't matter if you came here, Christian who's, who's really walking well with him, Christian who is not experiencing the goodness of his grace. You could not know him, but you can walk away knowing him. So if you guys want to ask me more what it looks like to know Jesus, after the session, or if you just want to chat with me, I will be up here. Um, but now, just take a moment to reflect after I pray. So let me pray. God, I, I ask that you would reveal to everyone here the true treasures of their heart. Nothing is hidden from you. There's, there's no secret that can be kept. So I just ask that everybody would think honestly and humbly come before you. And I ask, Holy Spirit, that you'd convict hearts of sin. But I ask that you'd go beyond that to show them how absolutely sufficient and mighty you are to save to the utmost. God, would you work? Would you be glorified? We pray that in your name. Amen. Let's go ahead and reflect. Sorry.